Productions. Algar Productions. Hello, I'm Willikins the Butler. You may recognize me from the Nick and Willikins segments on the Sarcastic Voyage podcast in which I play Willikins the Butler. Recently, Master Nick and I experienced a series of events that collectively could only be referred to as an adventure. These events included, in no particular order, mistaken identities, Master Nick's first taste of alcohol, time travel, and an appearance more or less by everyone we know, apart from my father, the Colonel, thank heavens. You will note that as I compiled the previous list, I did not use the dreaded Oxford comma. I'm a Cambridge man, you see, and I shan't be having with Oxford anythings. It's a matter of pride. Which, admittedly, is a feeling I haven't had much of since coming into the service of Master Nick. See also dignity. In fact, I'm surprised that I've yet to hear the infernal ring of what he refers to as the summoning barrel. Ah, there it is. I must be off. Our esteemed narrator will be returning to his booth presently anyhow. So please, enjoy our story, presented here in its entirety. It's a story we like to call Nick of Nick Hall. Dreadful title. Chapter One And now the adventures of Nick and Willikins! Last time you'll recall that Nick had just invaded Finland with his fleet of mighty battleships. Poo, poo! And then he called in the aeroplanes. And then... Sir, what are you doing in here? And then all manner of puddings rained down from the aeroplane. Figgy, bready, other kinds of puddings. A storm of puddings overwhelmed the shores of Denmark. I thought it was Finland. And I thought you didn't know what I was doing in here. Touché, sir. I don't think we have that word in England, Willikins. You mean in English? I know what I mean. We don't have that word in England. We call it a fanny. Delightful. Willikins? Sir? I'm bored. Indeed, sir. Yes, indeed. That's what I just bloody said, innit? It feels like we haven't been on any adventures in months. And we, we might as well be dead. What an odd thing to say. I thought maybe our narrator had died, but he's just sort of buggered off. So then I thought if I just started narrating an adventure for us, it would just sort of happen. I see. And how's that working out for you, then? Terrible! Obviously! Oh, you're so obtuse! Oh, I did so miss this. What? Nothing at all, sir. I did find this barrel in here, which I am now, forthwith and also hence, rummaging through, presently. That is indeed some excellent rummaging, sir. And now to the original point out for which I had initially sought you. What, and it should be clear that I am cringing as I approach the very subject, would you like for tea? Well, not tea. That's right out. What an horrible cliché, Governor. Pip, pip. Indeed. Pip, as you say, pip. So now that we have established what you won't be having for tea, perhaps we could discuss what you do want. Eggs. Eggs. And now would you like for me to cook those eggs, sir? There are different ways to cook eggs. Oh, Willikins, I've reached the bottom of the barrel. Indeed. Well, that was a really pleasant vacation. 
Oh, God damn it. Somebody got into my giant novelty barrel of rum. Oh, I'm pished, Willikins. Let's go to a football match at once. It appears there was a tiny bit more barrel left after all. Hurrah! Chapter 2 Last time, Nick got into my barrel of rum. Or possibly brandy. I can't be arsed to go back and check. You can't say arsed. That's... that's our word. So now here's what happened next. Willikins! I'm still pissed Considering it's only been a scant few seconds since you last informed me of this development, I can't say as I'm surprised, sir. It's delightful, Willikins. You... you're my best friend. This is highly awkward, sir. Please stop humping my leg. Willikins, I'm an adorable drunk, aren't I? In it. Yes, sir, you're a regular Arthur. What, the cartoon aardvark what Mr. Neil down the road does his voices for? No, sir, that's... well, that's a different Arthur. This is a movie about an English drunk who abuses his butler. Now, now that doesn't sound like me at all. Fetch me this movie at once. And so, Willikins went down to the video store, which apparently is still a thing in Nick Hall. Who knew? <coughs> sir, I've returned with the DVD you re- What are you doing, sir? I'm playing quarters. Only since we're English, I'm playing pound notes. And since I don't know how to play quarters, I'm just bunging pound notes down a loo. I didn't know you- I don't know why you complained so much about doing this. It's ever so much fun. That's as may be, sir, but the film you requested is here. Unfortunately, it didn't have the Dudley Moore version, so I got the recent remake featuring Dame Helen Mirren as the butler. What, a lady butler? They have those? Why have I been wasting all my time with you, then? Sir, the movie. Yes, of course. I shall require all manner of popped corn and biscuits to accompany my screening of this fine... this fine... What was this again? Arthur, sir. What, the mythical King of England? No, sir, that's... well, it's still Arthur. Anyway, I shan't delay in retrieving the inevitable loo fodder from the kitchens. Well, the boy was going to discover alcohol sooner or later, given that he's English. I just always thought there'd be more time. Willikins! Get in here at once! Sir, what is it? Are you safe? Are you all right? Willikins, who is this awful person on the telly? Bung it down the loo. Ah, yes. That's Russell Brand, sir. England's greatest comedic treasure, apparently. Oh, delay. What a thing to happen. Willikins, this... this... person is stealing my identity. He must be stopped. Fetch your driving gloves and jaunty cap. We're heading to the BBC at once. Perhaps we should get you sobered up first, sir. I'll put on some black coffee. What? Coffee for tea? That's like that time you gave me porridge for puddings. Blah, blah, cliffhanger. Blah, blah, next installment. Blah, blah, Nick and Willikins. Chapter 3 Last time, Nick discovered the existence of Russell Brand, which, admittedly, can be a pretty heavy blow even to people who aren't raving loons. We join him now in the back seat of his diamond-encrusted Rolls-Royce. Faster, Willikins! Drive faster! We must arrive at the BBC before half three! Sir, this isn't a horse. Kicking the seat will not result in a greater vil- Wait, why half three? 
Why, why, why? You might as well ask why a lizard can't mate with a budgie. Or why I can only get one in six of Joe Brand's references. Or why someone is going to toss my vast fortune into the furnace when I die. And by someone, you almost certainly mean me. Oh no, I've got big plans for my death. I intend to be stuffed and set on the Chesterfield in the grand tradition of English bears. Much as this raises the question of what will happen to your organs, sir, I feel we must press ever forward. You do realise, of course, that your fortune, like energy, cannot be destroyed, per the royal law of conservation of wealth. What? I'm the lord of my pounds and shillings, and they'd better bloody well do what I tell them to do. Sir, who are these they to whom you keep referring? Surely you don't expect the actual pounds and shillings to leap into the fire of their own accord. Don't be ridiculous, Willikins. Inanimate objects can't move around on their own. Not unless Angela Lansbury is around to cast a spell on them. Well then, he asked, knowing full well he would regret the answer. Who are they, sir? You know them. The people what toss money in furnaces and give mansions to cats and other such sundry last will and testament rubbish. Barristers, I guess. How should I know? I'm not actually entirely sure the world continues to exist after I die. I'm amazed that any other thought even crossed your mind in the first place. But no, sir. The ancient and stiflingly binding traditions of English estate law demand that your fortune, your holdings, and your titles pass to a variety of sundry heirs, counter-heirs, co-heirs, and, I believe, mecha-heirs. Willikins, you're not making a bit of sense. It's a rather complicated state of affairs, sir. No one person fully comprehends exactly where, how, or precisely to whom your various items, both physical and abstract, pass. All I know for certain is that you can't legally order your money destroyed, any more than you could leave it to your little dog. What? The Willikins? Indeed, sir. Where all this won't do at all. What must I do? For starters, you should probably produce a male heir. Though that's only the first in an elaborately lengthy process of determining the endowment of your entitlement to the royal endotitlement for Her Majesty's entranglement of the upper-class enticement. Oh, that's a little bit muddled, isn't it? A male heir? What, you mean... kiss a lady? At least, sir. Well, can stop this car at once. Well, this is just lovely. That manoeuvre caused us to lose a tyre, sir. That doesn't sound lovely at all. Wait a tick. Did you just pronounce tyre with a Y and manoeuvre with an O in it? Of course, sir. This is, after all, England. Oh, so it is. I'd forgotten there for a moment. Will Nick produce a male heir? How is this even a question? To get the answer to this, which is quite obviously no... Tune in next time for the adventures of Nick and Willikins! Chapter 4 Last time, our intrepid butler and his barely coherent master were caught in a surprisingly sensible and relatable situation, which I can't imagine we should expect to remain that way for much longer. We join them now on the side of the M41 motorway, the left side, naturally, as Willikins struggles to change their vehicle's T-ray. Uh, uh, Tyree. Uh, wait, tire. Really? Tire? All right, then. Uh, sir, I, I wouldn't dream of asking your assistance in this matter, but it may help if you were to get out of the car. Or, or at least not jump up and down in the seat whilst I have the car on jacks. Jack? Who's Jack? Uh, sir, I, 
do have a lot on my plate right now. Could we please not turn this into a tired vaudeville routine? Oh, aren't we a comedy snob? I suppose you were in footlights at your precious bloody Cambridge. Actually, sir, I was. I'm so... Uh, Douglas Please don't mistake my comment for interest. I'm bored! If you could at least exit the vehicle until I'm finished, it would go a long way toward not killing you in the process. What? I can't die. Not until we found me a male heir. I'm amazed you managed to remember that particular thread from our discussion moments ago. You'd be astounded at what I can remember. Like, uh, ooh, I just recalled the plate of beans on toast what I stuck in a boot in his car last Hogwatch night eve. I wondered about that rank odour, sir. Whittakins, did you add a vestigial letter U to the word odour? I don't think we even do that in England. One can never be too English, sir. Finally, a moment's peace. I get tick, I didn't put that plate in here at all. That was a boot of an entirely different auto. I don't recall stuffing Errol in here either. Hello, you little toss across. What's all this then? Errol, I didn't know you were a copper. I thought you were keen to avoid their lot. Oh, I was, but now I'm a new man, I am. I've turned over a new tree. Cool, that's impressive. Yeah, it is, isn't it? I just said that it was. Well, now that our little family's back together, let's go and talk to Willikins. He's round the other side of the car, changing the tari, the tidro, the tiger. Yeah, so I expect that's right. Willikins, oi, Willikins! Look who we found in the boot of the car. Hello, Errol. Sir. Did you just call me sir? I did say yes. He's a changed man, Willikins. He didn't even mug me in the time we walked up here from the boot of the car. Well, to be fair, I did pick your pockets a little. Old habits die hard with a vengeance. Now, let's see here. Here's your boiled sweeties. Mm-hmm. Packet of crisps. Right. Tin soldiers. Really? Toast soldiers. Miss those. Eggies. Right. Pickies. Crackers. And Yorkshire pudding. I really do find that it's the best of the puddings. Terribly sorry about that, my lord. Did you just call me my lord? I did indeed, ma'am. Oh, delay. I like that. Willikins, did you hear that? I did, sir. Now, as to the problem of your male heir... My what now? Ah, delightful. Well, sir, whilst I've been changing the tyre... Oh, I said how you pronounce that. I've been considering the issue at hand. How might we, to put this delicately, find you the appropriate mate? Mate? It'd be like somebody to watch the football with me and play darts and the like. Focus, sir. We shall have to fix up the hall. Start entertaining debutantes. Engage in the elaborate and highly complex English courtship rituals of old. And to that end, we may finally have to hire on a staff of servants, maids, cooks and footmen to rise to this new occasion. Oh, Errol! You once told me you put your foot through any man. Oh, I did indeed, my highness, but that was the old Errol. Oh, I'm looking to clean up my act, I is. Willikins, I have it. Uh, so do be careful. You nearly sent the entire weight of the car down on my foot. Never mind that. I'll let you have the bloody stuff you've always been whinging about. Uh, for at least 20 seconds, yes, sir. And Errol here shall be a footman. So long as I don't turn into a pumpkin. Oh, Lord. That's the stuff. Will Nick actually begin his search for a wife in earnest? Have we really maintained some kind of basic linear narrative for four episodes in a row now? And how will Errol fit into all this? Find out in the next thrill-pack adventure of Nick and Willikins!
Chapter 5. Cool, I must have been knackered. I feel like I slept at least one twenty-eighths of a fortnight. I'll just kip down to the kitchens for my morning nippers. Oh, delight. Where did all these people come from? Who's the chav, then? He's a regular Jack the Lad, ain't he? Why are all you people in my kitchen? More importantly than that, who the hell are you? And slightly more importantly, where's my bloody brekkie? And certainly least importantly of all, where's Willikins? Mr Willikins is a gentleman and will not be referred to in such a fashion. What, Willikins? A gentleman? That doesn't sound right at all. Mrs Pomfrey, the shops were fresh out of Red Leicester, so I got... Begging your pardon, my lord. Your lord? Oh, blimey, this is Master Nick, isn't it? If you please, my lordship, I hadn't been acquainted with your lordship before now, and I hope that his or her lordship will forgive the argy-bargy I leveled at their lordship. Oh, everyone could do with a bit of argy-bargy every now and then. Why are all you bowing like that? The bowing and scraping and cooking and the like is Willikins's job. Sir, please, your presence in the kitchens is upsetting the staff. Staff? What staff? You're the only staff I've ever needed, Willikins. Sir, don't you recall the multiple conversations we've had on this topic? The weeks of screening able-bodied working-class servants from the village. Is none of this ringing a bell at all? Come to speak of ringing a bell, I was ringing my breakfast bell like a bloody halfback in Northampton just now. We have a new way of doing things now, sir, to bring us in line with the proper traditions. That doesn't sound like something I'll do at all. Now, sir, if you would please return to your bedchamber and await the servant that can dress you properly for your morning meal. What's wrong with the way I'm dressed now? Well, my lord, we wasn't going to say, but... <laughs> You're only wearing a jumper, my lord. That's right. Upstairs, sir, I must insist. Oh, very well. Oh, their problem is, it's not like you can see my bloody John Thomas through my pants. I'm not even wearing pants. Oh, hello, Errol. And Willikins, and who's this then? I'm Nigel, my lord. I'm your footman. I thought Errol was my footman. They've letteronymously moved me to valet, my liege. It's valet, Errol. We shan't be pronouncing anything in the French manner in this household. Willikins, it's not your place to say what we shan't be doing. I'm the lord of the shants. Also, how did you get up here before me? Also, what's a footman? Also, what's a valet? Also, what the hell is going on here? I'm here to dress you, my lord. Beg your pardon, you little nubty, but this knob here is my knob. Beg yourself on off now. Actually, though my role as butler does not strictly include dressing, Master Nick, these things have changed considerably since the Edwardian era. Oh, the world sure did change since then. Everything's been different since that time. Indeed. So whilst there may be a bit of confusion as to whom gets the... Pleasure of dressing Master Nick. I'll settle this. Any, meeny, miny, grillikins. I choose Errol. Very good, my lord. <laughs> Errol, did you kiss me? Might have done. Don't concern yourself with it, right, honourable sir. It won't come up again. Very well, What's this thing of squeezing me into? It's a cummerbund, your grace. What, you mean that bloke what plays the Sherlock Holmes? No, no, that's a, um... That, that's... I'm sorry, I'm not good at this game. Oh, never mind, let's get cracking on. Oh, now, who the hell is that? Our Lord and Lady Cuntspire, do come in. And this must be your daughter, the right lady debutante Beatrice. What a charming butler. Blimey, Willikins. Who's the toffs? Is this Master Nick of Nick Hall? In a white tuxedo for breakfast? 
Oh, how gauche. Will Nick adjust to his new life as... Hey, who changed the locks? What the hell are you doing here? Well, sir, Mr. Willikin said that we were making some changes around here, and seeing as you don't even like this bit... What? I love Rick and Williams. It's my favorite part of the show. See, I even spelt favorite with a U. And I said spelt instead of spelled. Mr. Willikin says you're... Uh, let's see. Right. Disrespectful, disdainful, and all-around unpleasant. Listen, this gig covers my rather considerable beer expenses. I need this. You'll have to take it up with Mr. Willikin, sir. Well, bollocks. Chapter 6 I must say, this breakfast feast is quite scrumptious. This beef wellington wouldn't be any better if it were made from Wellington himself. Indeed, and you can really taste the Yorkshire in this Yorkshire pudding. Lord Nicholas, your servants are to be commended for this extraordinary meal. What, Willikins? He does all right, I suppose. But he makes proper food, not this rubbish. Surely you're mistaken, Lord Nicholas. Mr Willikins is your butler, not your cook. That's right. And stop calling me Lord Nicholas, sisters. It's just Nick. Well, Lord Nick. No, no, just Nick. Like Shakira. And like her, my hips don't lie. <coughs> Right. Oh, merciful heavens! Sir, a gentleman does not discuss his undiscussables in mixed company. There is an appropriate venue for that sort of talk, and that venue involves the wanton consumption of cigars, brandy, and as a rare treat, a type of snuff made from pressed truffles, what we call truffle stuff. Terribly sorry, sir. Mums. Master Nick is new to all this. I do hope this sort of hoi polloi is not the man you intend for me to marry, Papa. I should say not. Well then, say not if you should. Willikins, I hate this. This food is terrible. These people are terrible. I wanted you to make this new dish what I just thought of, which involves melting down several Twixes and Kit Kats in our special sweets foundry, and then pouring this resulting glop over a loaf of bread like so much creamery butter. And then I want to bung it down at Lou. And I want to wear my grubby clothes. This bloody tuxedo is horrible. Ah, that's better. Good Lord. A gentleman does not act in this way. I'm sure he doesn't, but I does. This is all rubbish. This is Nick Hall, which is named after me. Nick, the bloke what lives here. I want to abuse Willikins, invent ridiculous food items, watch some telly, and then only destroy several rooms at random to keep Willikins busy so that I can then abuse him further for not tidying it up fast enough. All the society and culture is so... Boring! And cricket is boring too! Now you see here, we we didn't even mention cricket. Oh, you were going to. It's all about cricket with you lot. And bloody monocles. I have a whole case of monocles in one of my many attics that I don't even know what to do with. Sometimes I smash them and they leave the broken glass in Willikins's room just to keep him on his toes. You see? That's a pune or play on words. That's fun. Not this nonsense. Well, then you can rule out marrying my beautiful daughter on account of the fact that you shan't be doing it. Good day to you, sir. And I mean that in the most passively aggressive English way, which is to say that I hope you have a very bad day indeed. Sir, we can't go on like this. If you want a male heir, you're going to have to learn how to act in polite society. Some of the more unconventional opinions may be excused due to the substantial amount of noble inbreeding a bit lower down on your family tree, but I'm afraid people draw the line at you literally tearing off your clothes. Really, sir, this nude phase of yours... But I like 
like living like this? What's the point of being rich and powerful if we can't act like a total twit? <sighs> We're going to have to take drastic measures. I'm sending you away to... Good Great Aunt Petunia. Oh, good, I like her. Now, I'm going to show you how a gentleman acts. You're not a gentleman. No, but I've known a lot of them in my day. Biblically, I mean. In both houses of sexual congress, if you take my meaning. Now, you listen to me. Ah, what was that? Your first lesson. If we're finally going to run this place like a proper English estate, the first thing you need to remember is that the old ladies are in charge of everything. But what about all this male air business? I thought only men could... Ah, what was that for? That was me asserting my power with my bloody cane. Now, repeat after me. A precipitation in Cornwall falls primarily in Sussex. The precipitation in Cornwall falls wrong. Now, try it again. These crumpets are delightful, your majesty. Won't you please pass the gooseberry jam, Prince William? There's a good chap. Cracky work, my lad. And it only took you four months. Now, Mr. Willikins has somehow convinced the conspires to attend to the hall for a new banquet. This is your chance to marry that rich twat and secure your future. Off you go, then. There's a good lad. Farewell, sweet good great-aunt Petunia. Your good great advice has truly set me on the path towards being a proper gentleman at long last. What a bother. That's just to remind you of lesson one. Off you go. Ah, it's good to have you back, sir. If you would please take your place. Yes, at the head of the table, I know. Thank you, Willikins. Hello, Lord and Lady Cuntspire, and sweet Beatrice. I do apologise for my behaviour earlier, and for my lateness. Well, you do at least seem to have learnt the proper attire for the occasion. And your manner of speaking is vastly improved. Indeed, sir. Well done, good great Aunt Petunia. Must remember to send her the customary bouquet of boiled sweets and herring. Now run along, Willikins. There's a good chap. What's going on here? Oh, it's horrible, Mr. Willikins. They're arresting my Nigel. Nigel the footman? Yes, sir. And he's also my fiancé. Good heavens, how scandalous. And now the police are taking him away? Yes, on the word of that horrible man over there. Hello, Er... Wait, you're not Errol, you! Yeah, hi, Jeeves. That's right, officers, I saw him buggering a lorry and nicking the loo. He's a bad man, take him away. Nigel, no! Come along, sir. Abigail, wait for me, my dear. We'll sort this out. That seems unlikely, sir. You realise we're taking you to the village guillotine now? To be hanged by the neck until we sort out how the guillotine works. Well, that's no good. Nigel! Yeah, that's a damn shame. This is a disaster. I must tend to Master Nick. Abigail, please do try to keep a stiff upper lip until I return, and you... I'm going back into my booth. My booth. We'll deal with you later. And that's why I believe the Porsche would be better served working in the coal mines, you see. It's all frightfully simple, and in the end it really benefits the entire estate financially, not with the crippling injuries and irreparable lung damage. Oh, bravo, sir. Good show indeed. What the devil? Furthermore, it's about time we noblemen removed our velvet gloves and gave those so-called working classes a taste of our iron fists. What a delightful notion. 
What the hell is going on? And when Beatrice and I are wed, we shall assert our feudal control over collective estate, the way the good Lord British White Jesus intended. Oh, Lord Nicholas, I will. Yes, I will be your wife. Good Lord, sir, your clothing has acquired considerably more ruffles. Lord Cunspire has suddenly produced a top hat of some kind, and I appear to be wearing white gloves. I'm sorry, servant. What was your name again? Never mind, it's not important. Was there something you wanted? Are you people even capable of wanting? Do you think they have real human feelings like we do? Uh, terribly sorry, sir. I should be off now. Yes, see that you are. I fear that Master Nick has become so incredibly upper class and so completely English that the entire estate has been transported to... You there! Boy! What royal epoch is this? Why, it's the Victorian era, sir, presided over by Her Majestic Majesty Queen Victoria in this, the year of our English Lord White Jesus, 1884. Are you going to eat those gloves, sir? Victorian era? Well, fuck. Has Nick Hall truly been spirited away into the heyday of the mighty British Empire? Will he actually marry Lady Beatrice Cunspire? What the hell is a monocle for, anyway? Ah, who cares? I'm back in my booth, and these two can go bung themselves down the loo for all I care. Chapter 7 Last time, you may recall that, due to a series of rapidly escalating Anglo-centric events, Nick Hall and its inhabitants were transported backwards in time to that most English of eras, the Victorian one. And as one of the Hall's inhabitants, sort of, I was pulled back with them. But you know, it's not quite so bad. I have this sweet steampunk recording booth outfitted with the latest in wax cylinder technology. And I'm enjoying the finest absinthe money can buy in the comforts of a luxury estate. Yes, for people who weren't covered in their own filth, or if they were very fortunate, someone else's filth, this was a pretty sweet time to be alive. We join our story three months after we left our heroes. Nick and the Lady Beatrice are now married. Nicholas, darling. Yes, my beloved wife. A dear friend of mine was recently forced, by circumstances quite beyond her control, to vacate her palatial 200-room estate and move into one with only 175 rooms. Oh, how ghastly. Indeed. Promise me, sweet husband, that we shall never be forced to live in such revolting conditions. Imagine having fewer than fifty servants. It's simply not done. Fortunately, my continued efforts in robber baroning have guaranteed us a vast portion of Britain's considerable wealth for the foreseeable future. And what is it that you do exactly, dear spouse? Typically, a man of my stature would never reveal such details to a gender such as yours. However, this is a progressive and, dare I say, rather modern household, so I shall just this once. Under the advisement of an American called Mutton Chop Charlie, I have established large factories in the rock-solid British colonies of India, Hong Kong, and South Africa. There we manufacture coal dust, fine particles of iron and phosphorus for matches. And taking advantage of the Empire's permissive attitude towards child labor, we're doing it for hay pennies on the pound. Oh, that does sound frightfully important. I'm quite fortunate to have a husband- <coughs> Good lord, what is it, my love? It's that chair! Chair? What chair? This one? <gasps> oh dear, you may have to catch me, dear husband, for I feel a mighty feminine swoon coming on. How dreadful! Servant! Hello, servant! 
I'm here, sir. Good lord, man. What took you uh, so long? Frightfully sorry, my lord. Uh, only we've had considerable difficulties among the servants. Penelope the scullery maid was recently jilted at the altar and has now locked herself in the attic. Mrs. Pumphrey the cook has died in childbirth. Alphonse the footman, who was previously involved in a scandalous and frankly abominable affair with another footman, is currently attempting to surreptitiously ruin his reputation through backstabbery. And then there's poor Abigail, who even now is attempting to rescue her poor dead fiancé Nigel. I don't know who any of those people are, nor do I care. We've more important furniture to discuss. Well, sir, I've given up any hope of trying to return your personality back to normal. A word I never imagined myself using whilst referring to your personality. No method I can devise seems capable of restoring you to your old self. So I've done my best to keep a stiff upper lip and throw myself into my work. And that, unfortunately, involves knowing these horrible details about the staff. Hmm? Were you talking? Only to this brick wall, sir. At least that much hasn't changed. Never mind the petty problems of your Chuddingtons down below. Lady Beatrice requires immediate assistance. Of course. What is it I can do for you, my lady? It's that chair, manservant. Uh, this chair, my lady? The one that looks like... Oh, I dare not speak it. Whisper it to me, my darling. Good heavens! Lady Beatrice would like this chair covered at once, servant. It reminds her of... An exposed foot. I shall fetch a housemaid to tend to it immediately, sir. See that you do. Oh, and servant... Sir? While you're in the kitchens, do fetch me a treacle tart. Very good, sir. Inside a pork pie, which itself is inside a blamage. There's a good fellow. Right away, sir. Good lord, maybe there's still a glimmer of the old Master Nick left in there. Can Willikins return Nick to his awful, petulant former self? Why would he even want to do that? And if the hall returns to the 21st century, will I be forced to give up the precious green fairy that lives in this bottle? I fucking well hope not. Find out the answers to these and possibly other questions in the next installment of The Adventures of Nick and Willikins. Chapter 8 Trapped in the Victorian era with an increasingly un-Nick-like Nick, Willikins the butler has been forced to take drastic measures. We join him now as he takes an audience with Her Royal Majesty, Queen Victoria. Somehow. Dramatic license, shut up. Your Royal Highness, let me first say what an honor it is to be allowed to speak in your radiant presence. I serve my lord, but above all I serve my country and my queen. That is an acceptable level of toadying, subject. And a particularly nice touch spelling honor in the proper British way and not in the vulgar colonial fashion. Of course, Mum. Oh, and calling us Mum rather than Ma'am, more points to you. I'm sorry, points, Your Majesty? Indeed. The Royal Schoolkeeper maintains a record of every British subject and a tally of their overall level of Britishness. Howdy. Eh, a frightfully ghost. Minus ten points for you. Now, Mr. Willikins, how may we assist you? Well, Mom, I serve a prominent and important estate known as Nick Hall. Ah, yes. We know it well. And we believe we maintain a correspondence with our good great young cousin Petunia. Uh, well, Mom, 
It would seem that the lord of our estate has suffered a serious, uh, how shall I say, malady of the humors. Oh dear. We see this so often in our noblemen these days. Is he choleric, perhaps, or melancholic? I couldn't say, Your Majesty. I only know that he requires, shall we say, discreet attention before his condition worsens. Understood, subject. Discretion was our watchword when we had Prince Albert attended to. The things my poor delusional husband suggested be done with sharpened rings in an unseemly part of the... Well, it was simply un-Victorian. Ah, uh, indeed, Mum. See the royal apothecary on your way out. He will give you the address of an expert in these matters. We believe he's experimenting with Dr. Freud's hypno-what's-name. Much obliged, Mum. Her Majesty is as wise as she is beautiful. Well, now, there's no need for that. Scorekeeper. Deduct ten points from Mr. Willikins at once. Oh there, aren't you one of my servants? Indeed, sir. I was called to this place by the Queen herself. Nobody told me that I'd be seeing the likes of you here. Her Majesty has asked that I escort you to that building. Yes, yes, I have the address. I'm to go into a little shop here where I can only assume I will be taking part in some sort of comedy sketch. Sir, do mind the wooden placard hanging outside that shop. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> Good lord, sir, you've stricken your head rather hard. Are you all right? Of course I'm all right, my boy. Now, there isn't time to lose. We must away to adventure. Oh, God, now what? Now what, indeed? Find out in the next exciting episode of Nick and Willikins. And now the conclusion, chapter nine. When we last saw our heroes, Nick had experienced severe head trauma and had adopted a third persona beyond his default rich man-child and the more recent evil Victorian industrialist. Because apparently we're playing by Flintstones rules now. Anyway, we join our story as the newly created adventure-seeking Nick races through a cave with Willikins trailing behind. Uh, do try to keep up, Willikins. There's work to be done. <sighs> Please, sir, slow down for just a moment, won't you? There's no time, my trusty companion. We must stop these lizard men from taking over Britain before it's too late. I must admit, sir, I was skeptical when you took us into these caves with talk of lizard men. And I was even more skeptical when you brought the budgie people into this ridiculous narrative of yours. Aha, I showed you, though, didn't I? You did indeed, sir. And then they did by capturing us in turns and allowing us to escape. How many times would you say we've been between one base and the other, sir? Oh, I can't be bothered to count. Six? Eight? The important thing is we've escaped them both and we're certain not to be captured again. Oh, God, these lot again. Quick, Willikins, through here. For the love of God, I think I'd rather he return to the evil industrialist persona than this nonce. Oh, hello. Oi! What are you lot doing in my cave? I do beg your pardon, sir, but... Ah, there you are. I see you've met Alan Moore. I'm sorry, do I know you? You jolly well should. I'm the face of adventure. The bloke that Evil wakes up from a nightmare of, then runs into Evil's mum's room and asks if Evil can sleep under her covers tonight. Who? Yes, you've got it. I'm so confused. Well, it's simple. I live here. I've chased bloody lizard men and budgie men out, and now it's you too. 
It's enough to make a man pull his own beard out in frustration. Never mind that, my good man. We mean you no harm. Tell me, what is it you get up to down here? Well, at the moment, I'm working on an offshoot of Leader Extraordinary Gentleman. A sort of elderly Charlie's Angels, starring Judy Dench, Helen Mirren and Maggie Smith. Hello. Ladies. Wait, so we're back in the present? What, are you some kind of ficky? You're always in the present. That's what makes it the present. Yes, but... Oh, never mind. Oh dear, the assorted animal men appear to have found us. Stand back, I shall... Oh no, let me handle this. By which I mean let my hand-picked, highly trained super team handle it. Ladies. Said I feel that now might be a good time to slip out unnoticed. But there's danger. Wherever danger threatens, I must, hey, release my sleep. Who's the companion in this relationship, anyway? Ah, yet another reminder of good great Aunt Petunia's lesson one. Now, we'll just exit here through Mr. Moore's domicile, and then we'll head... Who the devil is that? Oh, hello. I'm Russell Brand. You haven't seen Dame Ellen around, have you? I wanted her to fix me an hot dog calzone. This chap, this bloke, I can't... Willikins, this is the man what stole my identity. So it is, sir. Well, don't just stand there. I want him captured. I want him tortured. I want him drawn and quartered in delicious creamery butter. I shan't stand for this. I am Nick of Nick All. Uh, sir, he's gone. Who's gone? Well, guess what are you blathering on about? Never mind, sir. I believe we'll find that if we exit the cave this way, we'll be in our proper time and everything will be back to normal. What? You mean the blokes what conquered England under William the Conqueror? No, sir. That's the Normans. What? You mean that chap what dressed like his mother in that pea psycho movie? No, sir. That's Norman Bates. What, like cooking meat in his house? And so, as Nick and Willikins cast off any pretense of plot development or character growth, they return to their vast estate to await further adventures. As though none of this had ever happened. Just like in every superhero comic since the 80s. Hey, speaking of which, I wonder how much I can get for this Death of Superman comic. Anyway, join us next time for the adventures of Nick and Willikins. Nick of Nick Hall was written by Ron Algar-Watt with Matt Robotham. It starred Matt Robotham as evil industrialist Nick, adventure-seeking Nick, and Nick. Ron Algar-Watt as Willikins, Russell Brand, and Mrs. Pumphrey. With Duncan Bosco as the Bobby. Mark Bosco as Nigel and the Royal Scorekeeper. Terry Drozdak as Abigail. Joe Keenly as Lord Cunspire and Alan Moore. Brian Lynch as Errol. Kimberly Lajeunesse as Lady Cunspire, Queen Victoria, and Dame Helen Mirren. Sabrina Snyder as Beatrice Cunspire and Dame Judy Dench. Chris Page as Good Great Aunt Petunia. Amanda Smith as the Victorian Urchin and Dame Maggie Smith and featuring Dave Fields as Mrs. Pepperpot and the exasperated narrator. Epilogue It would appear that my poor, dear husband shan't be returning to our palatial Victorian estate. Servants, prepare his lordship's monetary assets for the furnace at once. 